Welcome to the Strength Coach Experience Podcast. Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Lego. Your host. And here we and here we go, go, go. Welcome, everyone, to the Strength Coach Experience, episode 12. I want to welcome my very good friend, Joe Tushak. Uh, me and Joe were together. Joe is a former minor league player with the New York Mets, and now he works with uh, Musser Home Building out in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Joe, uh, so happy you could be on the show, man. It's, it's been a while. I don't think I've seen you since you got married and we're at your wedding, man. Welcome to the show, bro. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a great night. <laughs> oh my God, it was amazing. All minor leaguers at a wedding—that's a <laughs> yeah, a bad move on my part and Emily's part for inviting that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you had a whole minor league team in there. But it was great. It was great. Exactly. So, a lot of wouldn't fun trade and... it for anything. No, it was a blast. So why don't we jump right into things? Why don't we just go through you know early life, uh, you know, growing up, and uh, we'll move on from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I started playing baseball, man, uh, I can't even remember whenever I first picked up a bat. Um, my dad was a big sports guy and so was my mom. Um, your dad's, your dad's a man. Yeah, he's a trip. That's for sure. He's living his best life right now. Um, but yeah, so my dad played division three basketball at Susquehanna university. Um, and then my mom was a gymnast at Slippery Rock university, which is a, a PSAC school down here in Pennsylvania. Um, so yeah, just sports was always, I was always around it, grew up with it. Um, but I first picked up a bat probably around age four, just in the backyard. We used to have these trees in the back. Um, I think they're just arborvitaes, like huge. They're probably like 15, 20 feet tall. And I used to, uh, set it up and I was a lefty. So I'd set it up as like a green monster, but it was in right field. So I could hit over it because back then there was no, there was no taking the ball the other way. It was just pull, pull, pull. Um, so I got into it then, and my that's dad what would they come do, That's out. what they do now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, got into it then. My dad would come home from work. We'd go outside for hours on time and just play and um, just fell in love with the game. I also was a huge soccer player whenever I was younger. Um, so grew up with that. I actually love soccer. That's probably the one sport that I miss the most um is soccer uh just all my friends played soccer I just was always around them even after I left playing soccer uh, and transitioned to football um so yeah so grew up little league teener ball high school ball um played started all four years um at northern high school which is in Dillsburg Pennsylvania um we ended up winning the Pennsylvania AAA state championship my senior year, um, which was awesome. It was about two weeks after I had gotten drafted. Um, but I guess I'll go back a little bit. So I was, I also played football in high school. Um, I was a starting quarterback my sophomore and junior year and actually quit my senior year, um, which didn't, uh, didn't sit well with a lot of people in the small town of Dillsburg PA, but, I think it was uh, the right decision for me and my future. 
Um, and at that time, Coastal Carolina, which uh, is where I was committed to play baseball, had asked me if I would uh, not play football because I had dealt with two concussions in the last two years, um, and they just didn't want me to get hurt again. Um, so, yeah, and then we went back to baseball. So our senior year, we won um, our state championship game, um, which was awesome. To, if you would have asked me uh, – a week before the season, how we would have ended up. And I had said this to one of my buddies. I, I, I told him, I was like, I'd be happy if we went 500 this year. Um, just because we had, there was three seniors. We had a lot of young talent in our junior class. Um, but we weren't, we weren't sure what was going to happen. We didn't know who was going to be our starting pitcher. Um, and it ended up being a, um, a kid named Vince Apicella. Um and he dominated. It was unbelievable. I think he had a .21 ERA through the whole year. Um, he also actually committed and then went to Coastal Carolina for a year and pitched down there um, and then transferred out of there. Um, and then it was between him and another guy named uh, Andrew Kern, who played at University of uh, Pittsburgh Johnstown. It was like our one-two punch um, that got us through the whole season, um, which was absolutely amazing. So um, – that was great. Uh, my senior year, I started getting looks from scouts, and I had never thought that that would be an option um, of getting drafted. I just was like, hey, you know what? I committed to a Division One school. This is great. I'll go there. I'll play baseball. I'll get my education. Minor, getting drafted was never on my radar. Um, never thought I was good enough. I wasn't – I played on a good travel team um, that went all over the place in North Carolina, Florida, everywhere. Um, Georgia, but we, but I never had thought like, Hey, you know what? That's going to be something that's going to happen for me. Um, there are other guys on the team that I was like, Oh yeah, no shot or no, like they have, they have a shot, <laughs> a very, very good shot. And a lot of guys did end up getting drafted and, and a couple of them are actually in the big leagues right now. Um, so yeah, senior year started seeing scouts at the games and I was like, this is, this is weird. I'm not used to this. Um, played well, um, a lot better than I thought I would. Um, and then actually on the day that I graduated, um, I had gotten a call from the New York Mets saying, Hey, uh, we're going to pick you in the sixth round. Um, how does that sound? I was like, uh, <laughs> what do you mean? Absolutely. How does that sound? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a dream come true. I never actually would have thought that this would happen, especially in the sixth round of the uh, major league baseball draft. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, kind of my journey and it's kind of a shortened version um through high school and things like that but yeah it was a uh it was a good journey yeah no was, like uh, I, said, I mean you know you you got to play a lot of sports and you know I, i've been to coastal a number of times we they killed us in the regionals a few years ago you know but yeah. it's a wonderful place if nobody you know everybody listening's ever been there it's it's just amazing you know it's a little school and then you go there and you know they just have everything going on and it's beautiful and everybody there is is so nice and stuff mm -hmm. but you know but yeah, he like doesn't said, want to go play baseball at the beach like exactly really? <laughs> yeah right next to the beach but you know like i said you know you're talking about how you quit some sports and different things you know that's part of the sacrifice that you have to make for some of these things you know and mm -hmm. and that's one of the things i think today one of the biggest issues is that you know kids quit too early you know at 
least you were yes. able to play all the way through your senior year. You played soccer, you played football. You know, I did the same thing, uh, you know, with basketball. I played every sport, you know, and then basketball season was dedicated to basketball season. But right when that was over, uh, and I, I think that's a, a thing that's, that continues to go on. And I, I constantly try to tell parents, you know, play everything. And then when you turn 17, yeah. you, you can decide whether you want to do anything. But, you know, you playing baseball and just baseball from 11 on, A, you're going to be miserable. B, you're going to burn yourself out. And, and C, you know, you, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, you just brought it up. You love soccer. You know, you were all set to go to Coastal. And then, you know, the Mets take you in the sixth round, you know, and, and scouts started showing up, you know, that senior year. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you never really know what what's going to take place. Uh, so why don't we go through uh, your time in the minor leagues? Uh, I was there for a number of years with you. Uh, but yep. let's, let's just go through uh, that experience and let's talk about, you know, how was the transition, you know, going from, from high school and, and PA and then all of a sudden now you're, you know, a professional baseball player. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of crazy. I, the first, I had gotten drafted, but I had to wait about a month and a half for my uh contract to be approved by the commissioner's office i guess back then if the certain things were in the contract or some different things like that they had it had to go through the commissioner um to approve it so i got drafted on oh boy june 6th i think it was and i didn't end up leaving until the middle of july um but prior to that they sent me down in late june for like four or five days down to Port St. Lucie, Florida. Oh, what a place. (laughs) Had never heard of Port St. Lucie, Florida before in my life. Um, Either as anybody until you go down there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I was Um, like, where where am I going? (laughs) Yeah, or if you drive through it to get to West Palm or Miami, that's whenever you know about Port St. Lucie. Um, So I get down there. I spent four or five days just going through physicals. And didn't pick up a bat or a glove. I had asked them, I was like, should I bring anything? Like, what's going on here? They're like, nope, just just pack a suitcase of clothes and you'll be good. I was like, okay, sounds good. That's what I'll do. Hop on a plane, fly down there. I'm there with a guy named Cole Frenzel. You probably remember Cole. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, he and I room, roomed together for those four days. And he was in the same boat as, I, as me. And I... We were like, what in the world is going on? Like, we were literally here. We we would wake up early, go to the doctors, get MRIs, get x-rays, get a physical, not more physical labs done. And then we would go to the field and we'd watch GCL games. So uh-huh. Gulf Coast League games. So for those of you, yeah, exactly. Uh, there's about eight people in the stands. You're on the major. It's like playing little league games. Yes, the and the eight July. people, the eight people in the stands are well. I guess there's more than that because the whole team comes, but the only fans that are in the stands are parents that are visiting from out of town. <laughs> games were at twelve o'clock. We had black unit, like or no, we had dark blue mesh, like old mesh uniforms. I mean, you'd walk outside, you'd be in the shade, and you could feel your skin burning. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was down there, and I was like, man, what in the world did I get myself into? The team was 75% Latin Americans, um, and I took Spanish 1 and 2 in high school, and I got there, and I had no idea. I was like, oh, my goodness, what what's going on? Like, what did I get myself into? Um 
but the, over time, obviously they all welcome you with open arms and they're like, they become your brothers. Um, yep, yep, and it's, it's pretty amazing of how I walked out my last year. I left Emily and I got married. We went to the Dominican for our honeymoon and we get to the resort and I am speaking in full sentences, Spanish to everybody that works there. And Emily goes, what in the world? Where did this come from? And I'm like, I just was around it for so long. You just pick up on it. It was absolutely amazing. I wish I still had it. I kind of lost it. Um, but that, that was an amazing thing. Like getting to, getting to know and live and be brothers with, with, uh, with guys that were from different countries that I probably, I would have never had that experience if I had never gotten drafted um, to learn to know their ways and how their culture works. Um, I thought that that was an amazing thing, but it, but yeah, like I said, you get, I got drafted, went down there and then I flew home and I was like, okay, like, is this really for me? Like I technically haven't signed my contract yet. I can still go to college. And I had said, no, you know what? prayed about it, talked to my parents about it, talked to a bunch of people about it. And I was like, no, this is, this is where I should be. So I signed the contract then middle of July shipped out again. The next day I was gone until late August, um, flew home for about a week or two and then flew back down to Fort Myers, Florida. Um, we had the old Boston Red Sox training facility, um, for instructs. Um, so another three weeks down there and then I came home for the off season, but, um, it was definitely an eye opener. My first at bat, I remember the first pitch I was like, Ooh, I'm not sure I actually saw that. Uh, that was, that was, that was really fast. <laughs> Second pitch 95 square in the spine. And I was like, okay, where, <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> can barely yeah, no, breathe. Can... No, I think it's uh, you know, what you bring up, it's, it's a culture shock, you know, it's, for everybody that's done it and been down there, the same thing for me. I mean, you're, you're living your regular life and then you go down there and it's, it's completely different. You know, everybody mm. works differently, everybody, you know, and, and regardless that there's a lot of people, I think it's the camaraderie because everybody knows everybody, yes. you know, when you first get down there, it's almost like you, you arrived at like a, a camp and nobody, you know, cause I don't know what it is. It's probably because we spend so much time together and mm -hmm. the coaches and just everybody is just, stuck in that you know compound for so long that you, yep. you 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 know everybody's your brother like i said in in that shock and it's just like you know when you first get down there it's it's absolutely flooring because you don't know anybody everybody else knows each other everybody has their own way to do things everybody understands the schedule and everybody kind of has their own you know routine and you have to kind of get you know, get on it very well. But, you know, I'm sure you'll agree after about two weeks, you know, it doesn't take you long at all to acclimate, you know, everybody's very welcoming. And, and I will say things, you know, what Joe brought up is, you know, with the Spanish, I, same thing. I learned how to coach, you know, and I, I took Spanish as well, but I, I couldn't, you know, obviously have conversations, but once I got down there, once I got around a lot of guys, I was, you know, coaching in full Spanish. So I think mm -hmm. that's the only way to, you know, kind of do it is to, uh, immerse yourself in, in there. But yeah, the biggest point out of that, I think you bring it up great, is that shock. You know, a lot of people think that, you know, you go right to the minor leagues and it's like LSU on TV or whatever. And yeah. it's, it's a completely different yeah. thing. It's a whole other level. I mean, you're an adult and, you know, they just, you know, you're there and you're playing and, and that's it. You know, it's not this crazy thing. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's eye-opening, but it's, it's not like Oh my God! It's kind of like what what just happened, you know? Like mm -hmm. where where is all this in the video games and on Sports Center, you know? And, and yeah, I, that's, yeah. 
that's a thing. They, they kind of keep that from you and they don't, you know, really talk about that. Uh, why don't we go through your experience, you know, just going into uh, your second year, you know, and, and once you got acclimated and, and how things were after that. Yeah. So my second year um, came down, or I guess that would have been my first full year technically. Um, so that would have been, that was my first spring training um, and went down there again. It's kind of a, an eye opener just because a lot of the, a lot of the big league guys would come over from the big league side and get ABs and get rehab or be on a rehab assignment. So it's like, holy cow, I'm playing next to Daniel Murphy. I'm playing next to uh, um, Johan Santana came over and pitched a bunch. Like it was, it was so cool. Like six months ago I was, or I mean a year ago I was sitting at my house watching these guys play saying, Oh man, those guys are so good. And then before you know it, I'm standing in center field and Johan Santana's pitching. And it's like, whoa, what? Again, like we, we've been harping on this a lot, but it was definitely a culture. Like it was a shock. Like I was, I was like, man, I was rooting this guy on to win a Cy Young or throw a no hitter the year prior to this. And now I'm his center fielder. It's, it was a, it was, it was the coolest thing in the world. Um, But yeah, so then second year I ended up staying for, um, extended spring training. Oh my God. That's a whole nother animal. Um, for those of you that don't know, it's literally a, it's exactly what it sounds. It is an extended spring training where you wake up 6am every day. You got, well, we got Sundays off. So that was nice. Um, yeah, yeah. You wake up at 12 and the day's over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, more of the same. It was, uh, wake up early, have practice, play a game, go home. It kind of felt like Groundhog Day after uh, um, after the first couple days or so. Um, and then traveling down to Jupiter, Florida, or up to uh, – oh, man, where were the Nationals back then? Kiss, they weren't kissing in, me. No, that was the Astros. Oh, they are – I forget. Yeah, they, they were up north. Yeah. So just going to those couple of locations literally every single day or they were coming to us and it, it it got to a point where it wasn't even like, okay, where am I going today? It was okay. Let me just show up and I'll read the board and I'll figure it out. Um, But then I, for the season, I got sent to Kingsport, Tennessee. Uh, It was actually probably one of my most rocky seasons. I started off really well and then just got burnt out. My body fell apart probably didn't do the best job of training that off season um, had just gone off of pretty much what I had done for, for whenever I was in high school. Um, but that it's not the same playing probably 140, 50 games in a year um, compared to the 20, 30 that I played in high school. Um, you got to train a little bit harder for that. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, what you just brought up, you know, that's the biggest change. I think that everybody doesn't understand is, you know, college you play or high school, you pay 20 college, you play 50, you get in the playoffs, you play, you know, or, or a little less, you know, and then when you get to the minor leagues, you're playing 140 games, you know, and then when you get drafted, you know, especially out of college, you play your 40 games, then you get drafted, then you play a whole season, then they send you down to, you know, uh, instructs. And then, you know, they probably get you back down there in like February. So I, I think that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing that you, you brought up and you touched on is that the amount of games, the schedule and the volume is just so much, you know, it, it goes from, 
baseball was a thing I did and that's what I do. And then here's all these other things to now baseball is your thing 15 hours a day, you know, seven days a week. And it, and it, it's a real, you know, grind, uh, you know, of every ounce of the word. And I think also you brought up another good point with the training, you know, a lot of people, I think you have to kind of go through it, you know, and, and mm-hmm. learn how to do it. It's it, you can talk to everybody that you want, who's been there, but you really won't understand until you kind of find out, I think, how your body responds to that kind of volume and, and those long days in the hot sun, you know, and I think yeah. that's a big takeaway for anybody listening. When you go into those areas, when you go to the minor leagues, you can do all the research you want, but I, I don't think it will prepare you. I don't think you, you can talk to everybody you want, but you know, regardless of performance or anything else, it's always going to be, you have to find out what works best for your body to keep you healthy, what works mm-hmm. best for you to perform and just that sheer volume and, and just becoming a professional athlete. Uh, why yeah. don't we go, the, uh, you know, uh, as you know, go through the minor leagues a little bit more, a little bit more experience. <clears throat> yeah, it was, uh, I mean, after, then after that year, I went to Brooklyn. Um, Best place in the world. Where I got to meet you. <laughs> no, that was a great year. Unfortunately, I, and as you know, had that nagging hammy injury. Oh, turf um, field, grass to turf happens every time. Yep. Yeah, I had that and the uh, the shin splints that I dealt with a lot, which sound like nothing. And I thought I was being a big baby, but that is not something that's fun. Um, so, yeah, so got injured and really only played like 15 games in that season, 20 games in that season before it before it happened. And, uh, yeah, just got shut down. And then I was just going to the field every day and getting rehab with Kiyoshi and then doing some work with you. Um, But yeah, that, I think that was the year that kind of like the winds got taken out of my sails. Um, It was, it was just so hard watching everybody else play and being the guy that had to sit on the bench um, every game and go coach first base here or there. It was just, it's like, man, I'm supposed to be playing. I'm not supposed to be sitting here. Um, so that, that kind of hurt me a lot. Um, but, yeah, it, but it was a lot of fun. I always say this to, uh, um, to my buddies, and that's one stop that I think every minor league player needs to make because to prepare them for the major leagues, that is a place that does it. I mean, I mean, you remember it was what? five, 6,000 people a night, 12,000 on Seinfeld night. Yeah. 12,000 on Seinfeld night. It's, it's a big league atmosphere. Yep. Everybody that, knows your name. I mean, we have 40, 50 people waiting for autographs. I mean, everybody knows yeah. everything about, including me and I'm a, I'm a strength coach. I'm not a, mm-hmm. you know, nothing crazy. They knew where I lived. I mean, they had me sign stuff and, and I, I agree a hundred percent. It's another world. It's like being a professional athlete. I mean, yeah. I, I always say too, I don't think there's any better place to play. I mean, out of everywhere <sighs> I've ever been, you know, big leagues included. I mean, it's just insane. You know, it's, it's just, the atmosphere, the window off the beach, the roller coasters, the people. I mean, you know, July at 930 when it's 75 degrees and that breeze is blowing off, uh, you know, right field. I, I think it's the best place in the world. But, I mean, you know, you brought up another a, a thing with the injury, too. You know, I, I think it's a big deal, you know, having to go through those things. You know, especially, you know, if you're not somebody that gets injured a lot, it's a hard thing to take in the minor leagues, you know. And, and I've spoke about it before in other podcasts. I think the hardest thing is that, you know, because we play so much, because we play every day, if you tear a hamstring, tweak a finger, something happens, 
you know, you snap your fingers and you're three weeks in, you know, and as you know, with the revolving door, they bring another person up and then, you know, that's how it works. And, and you're kind of, you know, as you said, with the wind out of your sail, you're kind of powerless, you know, you can, you can do all the work, you can do all the rehab, but they don't really, you know, it's, it's who's next on the thing, you know, even when Mm -hmm. you come back, you know, it's, it's always hard things to deal with. So. um, Yeah. And that's the, that was the hardest thing too. It was, I mean, there was a couple of days where I played and I knew like, this isn't going to go on much longer and I probably should have stopped. But I was like, if I, if I tell them that I'm not feeling good, like that, like I'm done, like they're going to shut me down. They're going to make me rehab. It's going to take half the season or the whole season. And that's it for the rest of this year. And I played through it for three or four days and it got to the point where I was hobbling off the field on and off the field to get to left field. And of course we were in the first base dugout. So it was the longest run on the field. (laughs) And, (laughs) but yeah, I was like, no, this isn't happening. I would go home. I'd go back to the hotel and I'd be like, all right, let's ice. Let's get the little portable stem thing that I had. Let's get that strapped on. Let's do my own rehab. Let's not say anything because I know if I say something, I'm done. Yep. And that was the hardest thing just to, just to know that, hey, this is this is like it's like it's kind of over for yeah, this year. No, of course, and, and I think you bring up another solid point. With you know, everybody doesn't understand either. That's what happens. You know, if if you get hurt and you say something, you know, it's not two days. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. three weeks, a month. You know, it turns into a big thing, almost kind of regardless of what you you have going on. So you know, yep. it, it it makes this thing where guys don't want to talk to the AT. You know. So as a strength coach, you're kind of in the middle there, but it makes for a very hard environment because you're trying to, you know, make a living and, and pursue your dream. And, you know, if you get hurt, though, the athletic trainer is going to shut you down. And, and, and you know, it's, it's sad because there are a lot of good people at the ATs, but it's almost somebody you avoid because, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of them, you know, right away and not to say that they're not doing their job and it's not a thing. But a lot of times, if you say anything is hurt, it's an automatic, you know, weak shutdown and, stuff like that. And, and I think that's something that, that kind of has to change a little bit too, because you're, it's kind of like taking the confidence out of you guys. So you're taking away that, that kind of camaraderie and the closeness that you should have, because I think if, you know, they would establish a better relationship and you could go and say, Hey, this hurts, but let's work through it. So I don't get shut mm-hmm. down because my, you know, my job's on the line. I, I think that would make things a little bit better. Yeah. And the worst thing, the one thing that nobody ever wanted was to be put on the injury report. Yep. Mm-hmm. The, the internal injury report was the place you didn't want your name. Um, I, yeah, I just always had a bad feeling about it. It was like the place where <laughs> it was almost like getting a pink slip at like, school. It's like, or it's like the land of misfit toys. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh shoot, my name's on that list. I don't want to be on that list. It's like the, it's like Santa's naughty list. It's like, great. I'm on it. Take yep, it off. No, it's, it's brutal, man. Uh, so why don't we go through, you know, uh, the last season's playing, you know, and then uh, moving on past baseball. and <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah, so my last season was in Columbia, um, South Carolina with the Columbia Fireflies. That was a lot of fun just because that was the the first season there um, for the Fireflies. After yeah, wonderful, Savannah. beautiful place over there. Yeah. Um, for those of you that don't really know where that is or anything and follow Tim Tebow. That's actually the first place where he started playing his minor league career. Um, so uh, yeah, last year was in 
uh, Columbia. I started the year. I wasn't playing much. Um, I had kind of, and I was, I kind of said to myself, I was like, if this year doesn't go well, it's probably my last. This was, it was my sixth year. Um, still an A ball. Um, a lot of, a lot of the guys that I had gotten drafted with were already either making their way into the big leagues or had already been there for a year or two. Um, so I kind of, I saw the writing on the wall. Um, so I wasn't, I didn't start playing much. Like first I got pulled in right before, uh, the first game of the year. And they had said, Hey Joe, just wanted to let you know, you're kind of our fourth outfielder. Um, you're looking at probably playing like twice a week. Um, and I was like, Oh shoot, like this sucks. And I was like, you know what? I'm here. I'm going to stick this out. We're in a new place. Like I'm not, I don't want to leave. Um, so I stuck it out in three weeks into it or even less. I was an everyday guy. The guy that was in front of me was playing horribly. Um, ended up getting hurt a little bit. So I became an everyday, everyday guy and started crushing the ball. I was seeing it well. Um, just watching borderline pitches go by that were balls. Like I had never felt like I had that type of eye before in my life. One thing that probably really helped was I got finally got contacts, which I needed for quite some time. Um, so yeah, I was hitting well, hitting a couple of home runs here and there, lots of doubles, um, made it into the summer. And I was like, man, I was like, guys are going to start getting called up here. Like it would be sweet to make my way up to high. A. Um, didn't get called up. And then on July 2nd, I get a phone call from my mom and said, hey, your grandfather was in a bad car accident. Don't think he's going to make it. I was like, oh, shoot. Uh, my grandfather was like my best friend. Um, biggest supporter in the world. He would do anything to come see me play. Um, I mean, multiple times a year. He came. He almost came more than my parents would, he and my grandma. Um, and... So he was in a car accident, said he wasn't going to make it. I was like, all right, well, I guess I need to fly home. Like, cause if he's not going to make it, I got to go home for the funeral. I went home for the funeral. I got home. I got into, I was there for like four or five days and I got into normal life. And it was like, man, I miss this. Like Emily, my wife, she lived, we grew up three houses away from each other. I was there the whole time with her family. I was back with my family and it was just like, man, I just want this life to like, I want my life to calm down. I want my life. I want my life. I want to know what I'm going to be doing tomorrow other than playing baseball. And I came back and I was like, man, I was like, I'm not, I'm not really in this right now. And uh, that was actually the first day I was back um, was the first time. I had ever even gotten remotely close to being ejected from a game. I don't know what was going on. I was mouthing off to the ump, swearing at him. I, yeah, it was just a bad, bad game for me. Um, and then after that, I just, I fell. I was hitting like 340, 330, 330, 340 through the first half of the season. I ended the season at like 196. And right then and there, I knew I was like, "Hey, you know what? That that's it. I'm done." Um, so I was getting ready to call. I was like, "All right, tomorrow I'm just gonna call Ian Levin and let him know, hey, I'm I'm done. Like I'm I've had enough. Like thank you for the opportunity. I think it's time for me to move on in life." 
Um, and he had actually called me that afternoon and said, they Hey Joe, Oh, they can sense it. They know I'm telling you, they, I think they're worse than the government. They listen to our, listen to us through our phones more than no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, uh, God, it was like perfect timing. Cause it was like, man, I, I didn't know what I was going to say. I didn't really know how I was going to do it. And I was like, but Ian called me and, and he had said, Hey Joe, I just wanted to let you know that uh, we're going to move on. And I was like, Hey, this is perfect. <laughs> I was like, I was about to call you. <laughs> He's like, Oh, okay. Um, so I had gotten done and Emily and I were getting married. Um, that coming January, you were there and, <laughs> yep. um, it, I didn't want to take her and drag her to a place that she had never been before in her life and say, Hey, uh, you can like hang here. I got to go away for seven days. Like I'll be back. Well, you could get a job somewhere if you wanted to, but who knows? I might have to, we might have to leave and go somewhere else at the drop of a hat. Like I don't want to do that to her. I, that didn't feel right. Um, especially since we had already been dating for nine years and six of them had been me away. So mm-hmm. I was like, I need to, it's time for me to commit to her and to our marriage, um, and to, to starting our family. Um, so I had no idea what I wanted to do. I had started taking classes at Penn state. Um, and we were down in DC where our brother and sister-in-law live in, he's a lawyer down there and we were just walking past the white house one day and he's like, you should try and join the secret service. And I looked at him, I was like, what? He goes, yeah, you should give it a shot. I was like, yeah, there's no way that they would ever even think about picking somebody like me. Um, he's like, you could be a, you could be a uniform division officer, which are the guys that stand out front. Um, just waiting for somebody to, to jump the fence or to attack. And I said, no, there's no way. There's no way. Um, so I was like, but I'll talk to somebody. So I had reached out to a longtime friend. Um, his name's uh, Mike Reagan. He is a Pennsylvania state senator, um, former U.S. Marshal um, here in Pennsylvania. And I just said, hey, what, what do you think my chances are of getting into the Secret Service or any other federal law enforcement? And he's like, pretty high. He's like, they love former professional athletes. I was like, really? I was like, I don't even have my college degree. He's like, well, there's a lot of places where you don't need it. I was like, oh, okay. And I was, he's like, where are you looking? I said, the uniform division. He's like, and that's one of the places that you don't need the degree. I was like, oh, okay. All right. I guess I can give this a shot. And he's like, by the way, he's like, I'll write you a letter of recommendation. I was like, oh, okay. That's probably going to go a long way. And I didn't realize this, but he had sent this to his letter of recommendation to um, special agent in charge of the Philadelphia office. Cause he had known him really well. And that had a lot of pull. So I spent the next year and a half going through their hiring process. Um, so tons of interviews, exams, polygraph, background investigations. Um, and then had gotten to like the second to last step and had been notified that I wasn't one of the, um, one of the finalists to be considered for the position. Um, so that, that kind of stunk just because I was like, man, that would be a dream job. That would be awesome. Um, so then I was like, man, what do I do? I had thought, man, you know what, let's, let's join the coast guard. 
Like I'd always <laughs> like if I would if I hadn't gotten drafted or committed to coastal, I was probably going to enlist in one of the armed forces. Um, and I had in my head either Navy or Coast Guard. Um, and so I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. And right before I signed, um, signed to, to join the Coast Guard, Emily one day said, hey, I'm pregnant. I was like, oh, okay, that, that changes things. It's crazy how and, things happen, huh? Oh, I know. So then I was like, you know what? I need to just calm down. Like I had been running and gunning for the past seven and a half years from baseball to transition to the Secret Service. Then I was going to go away for basic training for the Coast Guard. And I was like, I need to cool it. Like I need to be here and spend some time and grow my family. Um, so I had put all that to the side, gave up all those dreams. And honestly, it was the best decision of my life. Um, get to come home every day to Emily and Quinn. I know what I'm doing. Uh, and it's just been a It's just been a blessing. Um, yeah. Uh, just no, to be just able to, touch. to be a dad and to be a husband. And I, yeah, I, I was done with the zoom calls or with the FaceTime, like I needed to be there. I needed, yeah. Like you said, touch, like I needed to be in the presence of my family members, um, in the family that I was growing, um, with Emily and Quinn. So, um, yeah, that's just kind of, yeah. Post baseball for a little bit. Um, no, I think, like I said, I think a lot of the stuff, you know, just going back a lot of the stuff you brought up, uh, you know, that grind, the being away, it's it's mm-hmm. another taxing thing. You know, I always talk like the minor leagues is it just kind of, you know, drags you along because of the time you're away all the time. You know, yeah. that's a constant thing. You're constantly away. And, you know, you can the same thing that I can. The off season isn't the off season because you get done in August. It takes you about a month to like power down. And then mm-hmm. you have about three months and then they're texting you. Oh, well, we're, you know. We're coming back. And, and I think, you know, going back on that, I think that's another huge thing. That's just that timing, you know, and, and kind of similar to you. That's what happened to me. You know, it was I was three years in, you know, three years in college, that whole thing where everything was baseball and between summer leagues, it was, you know, five, six years of baseball all year round. And, and it, it burns you out, you know, and it's yeah. the thing is, is that the dream is there and the love of the game is there and the love of the field. But, you know, at some point you're like, I'm exhausted, you know, or how am I supposed to live like this? You know, I think that's the biggest thing, you know, you brought it up for, for Emily and the same thing, you know, with me, I was like, this isn't sustainable. Like, what am I supposed to have, you know, a family or have like a thing. And then every seven months I'm gone and, but you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, they can cut you, you can get hurt, you know? And, and I think that's, you know, just going into another point. I think that's one of the biggest things that I see in the minor leagues. And, you know, you and me know tons of guys they play, they have no contingency plan, and then they think they're all going to make the big leagues, and then they get done, and then it's poof, you know, they're, yeah. they're you know, they, and they, they're not good people that, you know, they don't like school, or they've never mm-hmm. been, or they just have no backups, and not that that's their fault, but I, I think, you know, it needs to be kind of announced a little bit better when you get drafted, hey, like, make sure you have a plan. You know, we believe in you and whatever, but make sure yeah. there's, there's kind of something, you know, maybe an advisory board or, or something going on uh, just to help that out. Cause I, I see it all the time. You know, there's just guys that come out and what are you doing now? I, I have no idea, you know, because yeah. this was my yeah. life and this is my dream. And now it's, you mm-hmm. know, I'm done. I was fortunate enough though, that in my contract, I actually, and 
couldn't believe that this is something that they did. And they do this all the time. I just don't think a lot of guys know about it, but I have my full college education paid for by the New York Mets. Um, So they had taken the tuition of where I was going to go to school and wrote that in my contract saying you can use up to this amount for tuition um, to finish your college education, um, which was absolutely amazing. Um, Cause even, even while I was playing for two years, um, I, after my second and third year, I, as soon as I got home from the season being over in September, I packed, I unpacked my baseball stuff, repacked the bag and went out to Indiana university of Pennsylvania, which is about three, three and a half hours from home. And I spent the fall semester there. So it was like, I came home for a day and packed up my stuff and I was off. But for me, that was something I had, all my best friends were there, which was nice. Um, but for me, that was something like, it was so funny. Everybody be stressing school, this school, that I have tests, blah, blah, blah. And I walked in there and I was like, this is a break. There's like, this is so easy. I was like, I'm not worried about anything. Like I went to class. I fortunately I'm a, I'm the type of learner that if I can see it, I'm good. If you try and tell me to read something and sit online and do it, I can't do it, but I would go to class, get a couple of pieces of homework done, study for an hour a week and finished with like a three, five, the two, two semesters I was there. And it was like, and I, everybody else is stressing, man, I got so much work. I got to do this. I got to do that. And I was like, guys, I was like, this is the life. <laughs> you don't got to, you don't got to take pop-ups at seven forty-five in the morning and watch 18 <laughs> yeah. hours of minor league baseball. Yeah. In the you don't, you don't have, er, you don't have early work at 6am or a lift before oh. <laughs> a full lift before you have a practice, another practice and a and game the, and, and the nine warmups. Yeah. And the nine warmups, the nine active warmups. Oh my oh goodness. My yeah, so just touching was, on, you know, what we've been talking about, what do you think, what would you like to see change both in minor league baseball and then maybe in, you know, like the performance realm? Yeah, I think like we had said before, I think helping guys come up with a contingency plan because it's, I don't, I don't know the numbers. And I think Ian had said it to me one, actually, I shouldn't say I don't know the number. I think he said less than 3% of the guys who get drafted or signed like actually have a career in the big leagues. So not counting, excuse me, not counting the guys that are there for a couple of games or like a year. Um, So I think the biggest thing is just having, helping guys come up with a contingency plan after baseball, because no matter what there is an after baseball, nobody's playing at the age of 60. Nobody's playing at the age of 50. Like it's, Baseball is going to end and you need to figure out what's going to happen afterwards. Because like for me, like I kind of sat around and didn't really know what I was going to do for three to six months of my life. Like, and if I would have maybe thought about that a little bit more um, while I was playing, it might've been an easier exit. Um, But for me, yeah, from, the day that I ended up getting released until March, I was just kind of like, yeah, no idea. Um, so I think that that's a big thing. Um, one thing that always got me fired up was I would spend all off season, like lifting crazy, lifting heavy. And I understand that 
the athletic trainer, or not the athletic trainer, I guess some of the, the head strength and conditioning coordinators, um, the reasoning behind this, but we would come into spring training and in the first three to four weeks, we could only squat or pick up, like we could only squat the bar or pick up like 35 pound dumbbells. Like for me, I felt like in Joe, you can tell me if I'm wrong. Um, but for me, that felt like it was a regression. Like I understand we added baseball activity, but while I was in my training, like I was doing a lot of baseball things. It's just, I wasn't, I wasn't on my feet all day, but I was hitting a ton. I was taking ground, I was taking fly balls. I was taking ground balls. I was doing agility work. Like my days weren't just go to the gym, lift up, pick up a couple of weights and go home for the rest of the day. I, my days were wake up go to the gym, work out from eight to 10, go have lunch, go hit in the afternoon and then go run in the evening. Like it wasn't like I had a short day of like things, but I, I, and you know this, I don't, but that was one thing that I was always just a little frustrated with. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you're, you're getting into another point and and I agree with you. The problem is that, they make everything cookie cutter. I mean, you've mm-hmm. seen it. I've seen it. You go in there and everybody does the same thing. You know, I think one of my strengths with you guys, you know, when I had you, you know, when, when the season would break is that I would talk to you about what would work for you. You know, I would mm-hmm. get in trouble a little bit, but that's the thing. I mean, I, I you, you know, you bring it up. The problem is that they write the workouts for everybody, you know, and, yeah. and this isn't everybody in the minor, you know, every place it's changed a lot since we've been there, you know, and, it, and it's on a team basis with a lot of people I've talked about, but that is the problem. It's the problem all the way through. You bring guys in and everybody is trying to find the secret thing. The reason why we did the body weight stuff is because we had you, we had other people that did their stuff, but then there's that percentage of people that just show up and they don't do anything, you know? I remember so, some so of those guys. <laughs> oh yeah. So, you know, you have that going on, but, but I don't think that that's enough of an excuse to make to regress everything you've been doing you know i mean we talk about all the time right it was there you would work out all all off season to lose it in spring training you know that's that's a thing i couldn't i couldn't couldn't even get it to opening day yeah like i would get to opening day and i would be exhausted because i had lost all my strength i would lose weight like because i would always have for me i'm the type of guy where i play the season i'll drop 10 15 pounds yep like I need to come into the season bulky and then I know throughout the season I'm going to lose it because for me, my metabolism is, is just on like sprint mode and it like, I would get in there and I would lose, like I would, I would look at food and still lose weight. Like I, like I, I couldn't control it. And for me, that was my biggest thing of why take me from doing all this, um, heavy weightlifting or not even heavy, like, like just stuff that kept me in the shape that I needed to be in. And then tell me I had to come in and do body weight squats. Yeah, no, I mean, body weight lunges. It's a, it's a thing, but I mean, just, you know, they have fixed it. I mean, I've talked to a lot of guys in other places and, Mm -hmm. and with them, but, but it is a problem. Like I said, it's, it's, it's trying to, to, to kind of, have one program for a machine and it doesn't work there. You can't control 400 people. It doesn't work. Yeah. You can do everything you want. You can, you know, I think, uh, you know, with COVID going on, you know, from everybody I talk to, I think it's, 
a little bit better because you're able to kind of keep an eye on, on everybody. But Mm -hmm. the same thing for me, I mean, I thought it would be a good thing for guys, you know, because of the less volume, but now you see on TV, everybody's getting hurt. I mean, you can't make it through 60 games. You can't make it through 30 games. Like that's brutal. You know, I mean, I, I kind of, you know, that's one of the shocks for me when it, everything happened, you know, and, and crazy stuff going on. You know, I was like, okay, well, at least I think it's going to be better for the guys. You know, no spring training, less volume. You know, they, they can't be in the weight room for more than like 35, 40 minutes, you know, together. So yep. there's not that aspect. They're not on the field for 15 hours, but guys are falling apart. I mean, the injuries are insane. The Yankees, the whole team is, you know, on injured reserve. And, you know, every time <laughs> yeah. you turn around, somebody else gets hurt. You know, Giselman just broke his rib yesterday, you know. So, I, I, I mean, you know. I deal I'm, move right there. Yeah, I'm curious. To, yeah, but he didn't break it throwing a ball in from the outfield. So that's true. Yeah. But you know, I, I think it's like I said, I don't know where things are going to go. Because every time, you know, I talked about it with my friend the other day, the analytics stuff is great. All the information is great. But I feel like the more analytics we get, you know, it we everybody gets worse. So what is the yeah. point? You know, I, I don't, I'm always one to say, if you do all this stuff, right? Like if we had you come to spring training and squat body weight and do all this stuff, but you gained weight and you felt better and then you'd be like, okay, this works, you know, but now we have all these analytics, we have all this stuff, but guys aren't, aren't better. They're not lasting longer. They're getting yes. hurt more and more. And I'm like, well, what's the point? You know, is it, you know, what are we doing? Because you guys are what matter, not what we're doing, but if guys are getting hurt, then there's no, and, and the rehab's not better. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just, you know, to me, it's, a yeah, my biggest, like, I, I agree with some of the analytics There's some that I don't um, just because like, I know what I need. Mm-hmm. Like <clears throat> I know what my body needed to perform. Like it's my body. Like I know what I need to do every day in my life for me to feel good. Like, like things to make my body feel good. Things that make me happy. Like I know that there are like are things that I need to do. I don't want no computer telling me how to live my life and tell me, Hey, this is, this is better for you. No, that might not be better for me. It might be okay for somebody else. But for me, like I know what I need. I've lived in my body for the last 28 years of my life. Like I know what my body needs to be able to perform at the highest level, not a computer that enters in this data and spits out some, has some crazy formula that spits out a result. Like that's, Mm-hmm. for me that's i don't agree with that those types of things um yeah. i think well, it's cool think it's a, like it's it's it cool that we have this there needs to be i think both from you guys and the coaching staff i think it needs yeah. to be what do you need okay well this is what we want so if this is what's working for you then this is what we can do to make sure that you're getting out of it what you know what we need out of you i think i think that's what needs to happen i think there needs to yeah. be more and i <clears throat> And I don't mean to say this in a way like to be mean or anything, but I had the best relationships with guys that had been through it before. So whether it was coaches like that had played or had done other sports and known what the wear and tear is on the body compared to someone that came in and just started crunching numbers and was like, you need to do this, 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 and this to be successful. No, that that's not what I did before to get myself to where I am today. Like, I understand, like you're trying to help me, like, but I, but I know what has made me successful and what has gotten me here. And I want to stick to that because it's something that I know and I trust. And it's not, 
some algorithm spitting out something for me to try and follow or try to try and do. Yeah, um, no, it's, I think it's a good point. I think, you know, it's, you need to be, I've always said it, you know, it's not that you have to play the sport, but I, I you have to be there. You have to understand the volume. You have to understand mm-hmm. it. You have to understand what it's like to travel for 80 games, a hundred games. You have to understand, you know, the college season into summer ball and then coming and getting drafted, you know, and I, I think mm-hmm. that is, I mean, that goes for anything, you know, finance, being a doctor, you know, you have to get the experience, but also, you know, they talk, everybody talks about it. You have to kind of already, already have been where you're going, if you will, you, yeah. know, you have to understand what everybody around you is going through. So then I can tell you what my opinion is or, or what's going on. And I, I think that's a lost thing. You know, you say it all the time. We've had coaches. I've worked with coaches. They just show up. They go to a school like, you know, LSU and everything is phenomenal. Then they come to minor leagues. And then I'm like, well, this guy can't do this. His knees bro. Oh, he's fine. And I'm like, wait a minute. You, you, you interned at LSU for six months. That's the only time you've had, you know, you've been a strength yeah. coach and now you're here and you know everything. So I think yeah. that's going to be a thing. And I, I think that's something that needs to be fixed, but. Well, know, yeah. And it, it came down to like, and especially with all these injuries, I mean, even with, for us, like there was no time to recover, like, especially in the minor leagues, it was, all right, got done with the 12 o'clock game. We are in, I don't know, Hagerstown, Maryland. We got to, we got to make it back to Savannah. Yeah. Yeah. Great place. We got to make it back to uh, Savannah, Georgia to play a game tomorrow. It's like, so you're telling me I got to sleep on a bus. Like I spent more time sleeping on an egg carton mattress pad on the floor underneath the seats than I did in a bed the last couple of years of my, of my career. We had guys in hammocks. There were guys sleeping up in the luggage compartments. Like, and you're telling me that these guys need, we need to go and perform at our highest level. <laughs> like, yep. no, it's not going to ruin buses for me. And like, Middle of the road hotels, like the smell used to remind me of vacation. Now I'm like, oh, oh God, man. are we on a we on a road trip in Williamsport? And I'm like, yes, no, no, it's okay, seriously. you're on vacation. Yeah, whenever we lived in Kingsport, Tennessee, Larue used to go in, check his hotel room bed. He pulled back the sheets, would find a stain, see it, circle in sharpie, and then walk outside, and chuck his sheets into the pool. <laughs> Oh my God. So many good times, man. So many good times. Oh, so man. what's, what's next, man? What's, uh, what's on the docket? Yeah. Uh, just continuing to just love and live life, man. It's, it's been such a blessing to be able to have a family. Um, here we, my parents are local. Her parents are local. Our brother and sister-in-law, like I said, are in the DC area. Um, so everybody's close. Um, and we get to spend time together. Um, and just, enjoy that i mean i mean my dad's almost 70 like it's it's getting to a point now where it's like hey i don't know like how much more time i have with him or have with him like and he's still able to do the things that he's able to do so trying to make the most of that um and then also continue to move up in my career um with the company that i'm with um which is a an amazing company um there's like 25 of us um, been growing like crazy. We build custom homes anywhere from like 500,000 to, to a couple million dollars, um, for people. Um, and it's just the quality that they, the quality work that we do is second to none, um, in my opinion. Um, but 
yeah, great people all around. The owners of the company are absolutely amazing. And I couldn't be more thankful to be a part of the team that, yeah, that I, I'm I, on. So I think that's, you know, amazing, man. And, and I think you, you hit it right on the head. This time, what's going on right now in the world is a time to appreciate the ones around you, your loved ones, your family, mm. and and to truly find out what you want to do and what makes you happy. You know, for me, yeah. you know, I have a podcast. You know, as you know, you've yeah. known me for a long time. I should have been doing this a while ago. You know, twelve but it was, years ago. You know, yeah, exactly. So you know, it was you know a little bit of fear, a little bit of I don't know what I'm going to say, but you know, I, I think that's the best thing that you brought up is, you know, it's a time to really analyze what's going on, you know, and decide what you want to do and, and what makes you happy and, and how you can provide, but also you can, you can kind of enjoy yourself, you know, and it's yeah. not a time, you don't have to start a business, you don't have to invent a car, you know, but I no. think it's a, it's a time in which you could say, okay, I don't like do this, or I hate doing this job, you know, what, what do I like to do, you know, and I've mm -hmm. had countless conversations, people, you know, what, what should I, you know, what do you think I should do? And I said, look, I'm not going to explain to you what to do. I'm not that, you know, I would never give that advice, but it's write down what you like to do, write down yeah. all the things that make you happy. I said, and then start to narrow those things down into how can I make money out of this to support my family, right? Money yeah. doesn't matter, but you do need to support a family. You need income to live in the world. Uh, so, you know, and that's the biggest thing. And, and I think you, you found that and I think you hit it right on the head there, you know, spending yeah, time with loved ones and being happy. Yep. And for us, it like we had said at the beginning of this pandemic, they were like, all right, how are we going to make ourselves better? Like, what can we do? Like, Emily was staying home with Quinn, but she knew she wanted to go back to work. Um, and but she's like, I don't want to go. She's she has two teaching degrees. She's like, I don't want to go back to be a teacher. Like, that's the last thing I want to do, especially now. Um, so I ended up changing jobs. And now Emily is back in school to become a nurse. So we kind of looked at it like, like I was previously in finance and investing this, investing that, but we had decided, you know, we need to invest in ourselves first and foremost um, and in our relationship. So that's what we did. I mean, she was really thinking about going back to nursing school and she was like, do you think it's possible? And I was like, Hey, let's, let's look at it. Like it's, well, it doesn't hurt to look like, and to it see what it would try. It doesn't hurt to try bingo. Yeah. So it was, uh, we had decided, you know what, let's do this. Let's give this a shot. And so she started classes this past or the beginning of last month and has been loving it. Um, and I've been with my company for the past month, uh, a little over a month now and couldn't have asked for anything better. Um, but this is not something that I, this is not something I'm, certain would have happened if we didn't take a step back um from from everyday life to really reevaluate things um mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah no man i i think that's wonderful you know and i, I think that's a, a an awesome way to to end you know everybody out there listening use this as a time to reevaluate, you know, mm -hmm. this isn't, you know, you read a lot of posts and things. This isn't a time you don't have to invent something or come out of this, you know, guns ablaze reevaluate what makes you happy and, and you should have appreciation for what's going on because of, you know, this can happen again, you know, and I, I think that's an amazing point he, he brought up and, and I'm happy he's doing well. Well, Joe, thank you, man. I appreciate it, bro. I, I really enjoyed the conversation, man. It was, it was awesome. And, and we definitely have to do one again and, and uh, definitely have to come see you soon. Yeah. We got to have a little reunion between me, you, Dale, LaRue, 
um, <clears throat> deal and Matthew. That would be fun. We got to get together. Yeah, man. Absolutely. I, I've been talking about it. We'll make it happen. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate yeah, it. Absolutely.